Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Higgins. And I am one of your other hosts, Aaron Salvato. And there's only two of us. Only two, and there always will be only two. Wow, you and just if, really made a big decision for yeah. this show. And if one of us dies, the other one has to what? Uh give their spirit to another person <laughs> oh. so that Wait, you're the gonna, two hosts will you just have, have I put ever, my soul in a bottle and give it to have I ever told you about the Brian Higgins club no let's hear about it okay so real quick before we jump into serious theological topics yep this is great the music more about orthopraxy as opposed to orthodoxy during the time that the intro music is playing you can literally say anything you want great when I was in high school mm-hmm. and Facebook groups were mm-hmm. just getting started, yes, there was a guy who I believe was from Michigan. I'm mm-hmm. not sure which Brian Higgins it was, oh. but he decided his name was also Brian Higgins. Right. He decided he was going to find every other Brian Higgins he could find on Facebook. <laughs> and he created a group of about 15 of us where <laughs> everyone in the group was named Brian Higgins. And they would often ask these different questions like, hey, Brian's, what states are you all from? And so we'd all answer and we'd talk about things. One guy told a story Mm -hmm. about how his name is Brian Higgins Mm. and he had a roommate also named Brian Higgins. (laughs) Super confusing. I have no idea how that would work. That's weird. I think they were in college. They decided they were going to have a college party because college. Mm -hmm. And at that party, they learned or they heard a rumor, I should say. That a third Brian Higgins was present. <laughs> yes. And they found this rumored Brian, all got together and did license verification. <laughs> and there was once a party where three unrelated people named Brian Higgins were all hanging out together. That's amazing. And I'm really upset that I wasn't one of them. Well, literally cool story, bro. And also... <laughs> <laughs> What I'm imagining is like an Avengers Endgame style thing, but instead of the Avengers, it's just all of the different Brian Higgins assembling to fight evil. Exactly. But in my mind, they all look like you, but like various different versions of you. Many of them look very different from me. (laughs) That is true. So what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the Brian Higgins Club, of course. I'm Mm. kidding. Today we... mm -hmm, You should. Change your name. You get to be part of a Facebook group if you do. It'll be great. Worth it. Great payoff. No downsides to this. Today we are talking about something that is very crucial, something that is always talked about as being very central to the Christian life, the idea of devotions. Mm. And we have a lot of different angles we want to kind of attack this from, um, just kind of first explaining what we think about devotions, how devotions are normally thought of. Uh, I'm sure that if you have been part of a church for any length of time, someone has brought up to you the idea of needing a devotional life, which is a weird phrase because we don't use it for any other thing. Right. So we want to make sure that we really understand not just what it is, but what the right heart behind it should be. Well, bro, I mean, you got to do your devos. Have you Uh, done your devos today, Brian? My devos. What are your devos like, Brian? My devos. Are you doing a Devo right now? My Devos. (laughs) I didn't have anything else to say, so I was just going to keep repeating my Devos. Well, tell me about your Devos, bro. Is that a phrase that they said in Jersey? Because in California at camps, it was like, all right, everybody, it's 7 a.m., time to do your Devos. Yeah, Devos was a phrase that we would use consistently, and 
for thinking back to um, my middle school and high school mind where that phrase was being used a lot. Yeah. That meant praying and reading your Bible specifically in the morning Hmm. is what seemed to be what was meant. I mean, the morning is the most spiritual time of the day. It's when Jesus is most awake. Yeah. I mean, at night you try to pray. He's He's sleepy. He's not going to listen. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, that's how it always was phrased. In fact, one time I remember uh, there was a man, a guy. I almost said there was a man because I was going to say he was at a men's retreat. I met a man at a men's retreat. I met a guy. And he said to me, um, I was talking about my devotions and I was just saying like, I'm not really a, a morning person. When I try to read my devotions in the morning, it's hard for me to even focus on the page. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm sleepy in the morning. It takes me a while to wake up and then I go right to work. So I was like, I just do it at night. And I found so much freedom with that. But he's like, brother, if you're not getting up in the morning <laughs> and reading those devotions, you're like a, a soldier who wakes up without putting his armor on. And I'm just thinking, what if I put on the armor at night before I go to bed and sleep in the armor and then I wake up with it already on? First of all, that is a very uncomfortable use of armor. <laughs> I mean, it's great night protection. You You're don't sleep in armor? Never. Oh, wow. Never once. Wow. Not even chain mail? <laughs> Not Myth- <laughs> little mithril? Mithril? <laughs> every, every once in a while. Okay. Um, depending on how hectic the day was. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine a day that is hectic enough that warrants you putting on armor before bed. No, it's like, keeping man, it on from the work day. Those dragons are really uh, just giving me trouble. Mm-hmm. That's true. I was going to say a thing, but then I forgot what the thing was. I made Brian lose his train of thought, and for that, I repent. Mm. Solid prayer. Do you want to take a minute to try to get it back? No, I think I have it. Okay. So thinking about what that guy was sharing with you, the idea of it needs to be a early morning, it is the only way to be prepped for the evils of whatever day may come at you. I've actually heard people talk about the idea of giving God your first fruits. Oh. And use the idea of like, like a well, time tithe. Mm-hmm. Like Abraham rose early in the morning <laughs> when he was getting ready to sacrifice his son or right. was getting ready to do whatever it is that right. he was going to do at various points of his life. And I've heard it used as this example of, well, it's not just we want to give God some part of our day. We want to show him he's first in our lives. Right. So we need to give him the first part of our day. Which just, okay, so the idea is that. I think it's giving God your best, right? I agree. I'm I'm not at my best in the morning. I'm actually at my best sometimes at like one o'clock in the morning at night. I'm a night owl. Still morning. I am. Technically. (laughs) See? You got me. You just proved my point. Uh, So really, 1 a.m., the people who do their devotions at 1 a.m., you are the most spiritual because it is the most morningest. It's the morningest you can get. That's when it's normal day on Israel time, which is the time of Jesus. Is 12... Is 12 considered morning or night? Midnight? Yeah, midnight. You, it's like the mid between night and day, right? No, it's not. It's the beginning of morning. Why is it? Why is the word night in it? It should be called midday, but it's middle of the day. Middle of the night? It's the middle of the night. It's the middle of the darkness. Mean, it's like, the middle point between the day and the night. They should just call it day-night. Midnight should be renamed to day night. That is the worst possible name for it. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Okay. okay. So anyway, yeah, just devotions. Let's talk about devotions. I 
think every single Christian has grown up hearing that they need to have their devotions. But really quickly. Yeah. Are you about to say they shouldn't? No. Okay. I, I love, I will say this. I love spending time with Jesus. And I think in my mind, when I thought of devotions, devotions to me was what I thought Christianity was when I was younger. Hmm. That's, that was like the extent, like Christianity was going to church that was like the big one. And then the second of importance was making sure you read your Bible and pray every single day. And it didn't really, this is the way I thought of devotions. It was like, God wants me to read my Bible and pray every day. And the goal is I'm going to read it and I'm supposed to get something really deep, like something I can journal and write down. And if I come away from that devotion time and it's the morning and I got up and I was disciplined and then I read it and I got something really good I could write down in my journal. Then I was like, I am just ruling as a Christian right now. Mm -hmm. I am succeeding. But if I, you know, read and I didn't really understand it or I didn't have anything that was a really good deep little quote I could write down, I felt like a failure. And uh, if I missed a day or two or three, I felt even more like a failure. And I felt like uh, God was mad at me and my relationship with him was on shaky ground. And it was always kind of like this quest to like, like devotions was my way back in with God. That's how I thought like, mm. oh man, like, yeah, I've been going to church, but like I missed my devotions. Like God's probably upset with me. And then I'd have another morning time and I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I don't know. Is that, that's similar. similar experience? Um, similar in the sense of devotions were a status changer between me and God. Um, I grew up believing what you believed about devotions, I believed about going to church. Hmm. If I missed church, then God was looking at his attendance book and he was going to get upset with me. That that I remember um, very clearly and vividly thinking. When it came to the idea of devotions, I thought this was how you got ahead. Hmm. This was how you proved you were not just a... Like, church just made you okay, but God wasn't really like happy that you were friends, right? Like you became the plans that when they were coming up on a schedule, it was like, oh, I can't believe I made that appointment. Like, all right, I guess I'll hang out with them anyway. Right. Like that's how he feels in, in my wrong thinking. That's how he felt about anyone who was showing up to church, including myself. Yeah. Devotions and just reading the Bible through the week. The more days I read, the more I was convinced I was leveling up as a Christian. Oh, yeah. Totally. And so it wasn't like I, I get what you were saying. And I, I would think this of like I was supposed to get something like mind blowing paradigm shifting, right. like something that like I could like write a, a like book a sermon about. point. Exactly. Like, like I was supposed yeah. to get something like that because I would hear in sermons uh, preachers saying. You know, I was reading in my devotions this yeah, week. Yeah, it's like, oh, he read, and and that's how he got that sermon point. Exactly. And he, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed mm -hmm. to come away with these little tweetable, you know, sentences. Yes, that was definitely something that I thought about devotions. But I thought that would happen sometimes. I wasn't expecting that to happen every day. But I was expecting... That if I did it for more days just for the sake of saying I got it done, hmm. that that made me better. So it, hmm. that would happen sometimes. And, and at times I was looking for that like real deep magic moment where it's like, wow, God is saying something that if I put this on Instagram, like people would like it. Like <laughs> I would wait for kind of that moment. But really what I thought was 
as long as I got it done, hmm. I'm moving forward in my relationship with God. Right. If I committed to it's reading a checkbox on the list. Exactly. Yeah. If I committed to reading a chapter for this day <laughs> and I did it, hmm. it doesn't matter if I don't remember anything from that chapter. Hmm. What matters is that I did it and got it done and God's going to reward me for that. Yeah. That was my thinking about devotions. Well, I want to try to just blow this whole devotion thing out of the water. And I want to reframe it. Okay. That's a big part of what we want to do on this podcast is we're trying to help reframe some things that we think were not framed for us as best as they could be in Christianity. And so I think this would be kind of the thesis of this episode. I think that instead of reading the Bible as a devotional, we need to read the Bible to actually become devoted. That is my little uh, catchy phrase for this. We, we should not read the Bible as a devotional. We need to read the Bible to actually help us in our quest to become devoted to Jesus. Um, Which, to be fair, is where that first term comes from. That's the idea behind it. I just don't think to a lot of Christian kids that it's really communicated well. Because I know, mm -hmm. I've talked to friends of mine where we went to the same private Christian school, which was a great Christian school with amazing teachers who loved us. Uh, we had great youth pastors, um, just fantastic people. I have nothing bad to say about any of them. But I will say that I know that for myself and a lot of young people that grew up in my circles, we thought of Christianity as young people as the litmus of it is, are you reading your Bible? The, the litmus test of Christianity is, are you reading your Bible and are you praying? And that's what it means. And so here's what I mean. I think reading the Bible as a devotional, I think the, the common thread between the way that you and I both read the Bible mm -hmm. is there was a selfish motive. Um, my motive was I feel distant from God. I feel like I am not uh, in, the, in the right relationship with God. And so reading my Bible helps me get right, you mm -hmm. know, and for you, it's, uh, it's trying to get the deep thoughts, right. And it's trying to progress, you know, yeah, and, reaching a new, more meaningful level of being a Christian. Right. And, and I think devotional reading is often very self-focused because it's reading the Bible out of context and it's just kind of going to any chapter or verse or, and just saying, how can God benefit my life? Mm -hmm. You know, how can God fix my problems? How can God fulfill my desires? I don't know if you ever did this, but like a big thing for me as a kid was like, I want God's word to be speaking exactly into my problem today. Like mm -hmm. I'd be going through something where like, you know, a girl I had a crush on didn't want anything to do with me or the big test was coming up or just, you know, some drama. And I, my thought was I am reading the Bible so that God will tell me the magic code to fix my problem. Well, that was something that I felt I learned from people kind of sharing their testimony of what it meant to walk with God. Like a missionary would come from like the most remote village in Peru. Right. And they would show up and they'd have all these amazing stories about how like I'm in this village and everyone is against God and they've like murdered 19 missionaries before me, but Gosh, I'm yeah. finally making headway. And right. we'd be like, how did you know you should go to Peru? <laughs> and like, we'd always ask that question. They what were like, what was the verse? Yeah. And that was it. And we would, I would just ask the question, like, how did you know? Yeah. And they would always say something like, well, I was reading one day mm -hmm. and I read this verse and God told me this through that verse. Now that here's the thing. That's a real thing. I believe that happens. Has it happened to you? Absolutely. It has happened to me. And mm -hmm. it's very weird. It's all, it's, a, I feel like it's even weirder 
when you're not randomly flipping, but when like you've been reading through a book of the Bible, mm-hmm. like you're going through Matthew on a regular basis, you know, however many times a week you read, there's been times for me where it's like, you know, I'm going through a book and nothing's really jumping off the page to me. And then one day I'm like, what the heck? Chapter mm-hmm. four, verse 25. Like, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. And um, yeah, so it doesn't happen all the time. And I don't think we should be reading the scriptures, searching for it. Like the whole idea of the Bible being a handbook for our life or basic instructions before leaving earth, where it's like the Bible's just there to give you all the answers to every problem you're dealing with. I don't think that's the reason it was written. Um, It's a narrative written to tell us about Jesus. And it's this explosive living word where God is speaking to us about his son and about his mission. And sometimes those words do leap off the pages into our life, but I don't think that we're meant to read the book in a selfish way where it's like, this book is about me and I need to discover my truth. It's primarily the book is about Jesus and and through the story of Jesus throughout Genesis through Revelation, sometimes God in a very, almost I would say mystical way does speak to us very directly, but that shouldn't be the reason why we're reading the book. Now that I think is a very different idea than most people have about Bible reading. Oh, yeah. And so I think that's worth kind of pausing on for a moment and mm. and perhaps even kind of asking the, the bigger question for ourselves is, what do we really believe the Bible is here for? Right. Because I definitely have had that mindset of, the Bible is here to solve my problems yeah. and guide me through life. Like God is a genie, and every time you open up that leather-bound onion skin book, it's like you're rubbing the lamp. Exactly. And you're expecting God to be like, hey, what can I do for you? Exactly. And, and that's even thinking more broadly about a devotional life and a life that is devoted to Christ. That's very much what I thought about prayer. Hmm. Prayer was 100% just... God promises to do stuff if we ask him. It's the Christian version of Santa. That's exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. And so I didn't understand people saying like, well, in prayer, you're supposed to give thanks. And it's like, well, God doesn't give me anything for being thankful. So what's the point? Like, (laughs) I I thought this whole exchange was I show him what I need. He gives me what I need. Right. And then we like, he's just a cool, rich friend. Which is an aspect of our relationship with God. He's Mm -hmm. like, he's a father who just wants to bless the socks of his kids and help them with what they need. Like a good father wants the kids to come when they have trouble and problem. But that relationship is not just about dad solving all your problems for you. It's about love. Like you're, you're mm-hmm. supposed to love your dad and your dad loves you back. That's, that's the relationship God wants with us is one of mutual love and respect. And we're submitting to his leadership and respecting him. But then he's also just like, he's there to help us in our problems. But yeah, very, very often we can treat God like that genie in the lamp. And I think that a huge part of this is realizing that life isn't about asking God to be a part of our story, uh, that which was very much what I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, God, here's what's going on in my life. Here's my issues. I need you to step into my story and help me write it better. But really, the Christian life is about answering God's call for us to be a part of his story. It's literally history, his story. Um it's it's about us being a part of what he's doing and and our lives are really about what that looks like to join with him in his project the human project the project of rescuing and redeeming this lost world so i'm actually reading a book that speaks very much to this idea called the stories we tell and it's all about the idea that we as humans 
are storytelling creatures. And he's even talking, you know, not just about the great literature of yesteryear, but he's talking about like TV shows. Like he's mentioned like CSI and Law and Order and all these different things in the book. And so much of what he's saying is as as humans made in the image of God, we reflect part of who God is through the fact that we are storytelling beings Mm. because God is writing one major story. Mm. And that major story is a creation that's his, a fall that ruined it, Mm. a path to redemption Mm. and then ultimate restoration. Yeah. And he even goes into the idea that like so many of our human stories simply are retelling that in some way. Yeah. Like no one tells a story where it's like, there was once a family and everything was great and they were rich and they loved their jobs and they loved each other. Yeah. No, that, that that's a central, boring story. That central conflict we see so much. It's like, it's crazy. The parallels like Lion King, which is just, you know, Macbeth. It's like, you've got mm-hmm. the kingdom and the king. And then there's like the evil, uh, you know, vizier or advisor or uncle or whatever. Yeah. The Satan figure who rises up and leads a rebellion. And mm-hmm. then the sun comes and saves everybody. That's, you know, Lion King. That's Lord of the Rings. That's Star Wars. That's Hunger Games. It's it's these stories of kingdoms and empires and, and, and falling. And then a savior figure that comes up. It's like the central story that we tell in like all of our fiction. Exactly. And, and thinking then to one of the points that he brings up in the opening chapter is, People don't necessarily look for novelty in a story. They look for a retelling (laughs) of the world story. You know, people Mm. keep coming back to CSI in part because they know what it's going to be. You know, no one is coming to CSI wondering, like, I wonder if the murderer will get away with it. Like, no (laughs) one is really thinking that we kind of know what the rhythm is going to be. We keep coming back to story because it captures us in a new way. Yeah, because it speaks to something beyond just our rational understanding and speaks to us as whole people. Right. And I think that's something that we need to bring back to the way that we think about scripture. Right. That scripture is not just something that makes a rational argument to your mind, though it does do that. Right. But rather it's something telling us the story of what God is doing in the world right? so that we can join into that story and be captured completely by it. Right. And so this is where the idea of Christ centeredness comes in. And I want to go back to like the main idea. We're reading the Bible, not as devotional. And what I mean by that is not as just like, this is what I'm supposed to do because I'm a Christian, I'm checking the boxes, or, oh, I wonder what nice little fun thing God is going to say to me that makes me feel warm and fuzzy, or how is God going to fix my problem? It's That stuff is, if, you, if that's your focus when you're reading the Bible, you're putting the cart before the horse. It's not that God doesn't want to give you warm, fuzzy little things that make your heart feel good. That's great. I love that. I love warm fuzzies. I will go on the record right now in the Good Lion podcast and say, I love warm fuzzies. You heard it here first. <laughs> but, um... That's putting the cart before the horse and saying, this is what is most important. And what is actually most important is the Bible is written to tell us, like Brian was just saying, about the great story of history, which is God and his kingdom and his family and the fall of that kingdom and the rebellion and then the the savior, Jesus, who comes to rescue and redeem and save the family and bring them back and restore the kingdom. And then when you get to the gospels and things like Sermon on the Mount, you get Jesus saying, this is the new way to live. Like you should not be reading the Old Testament 
and learning how to live from Moses. You should be learning how to live from Jesus. Yes, are there, is there some wisdom and practical things in the Old Testament? Absolutely. But if you're asking yourself, how should I live? The difference is, in Moses is going to tell you to stone your kids if they disrespect you. Jesus is going to talk about this new kingdom full of mercy and grace and yet radical obedience, um, radical submission, just, just a radical way of life. And so we should be reading the Bible not as a devotional, but asking, how can I be devoted? What can this scripture tell me about following Jesus? What can the scripture tell me about Jesus, about who he is? Whether it's in Genesis or Revelation or whatever, how can I learn about the one I call master, the one I love, the one who I'm supposed to follow? That's why we should be reading, to learn more about God and to learn, to learn how to follow him. And I just think we get, it, we get it so backwards. Like this is kind of the illustration my mind goes to is imagine um, there was a guy who wrote a book and the book was all about this is how you should live, right? Like that is the title of the book. And he writes it as basically a way to tell people like this is the way that I think is the best way to live. And if you follow my teachings, you will have the best life possible. Imagine if a bunch of people read that book, but then they didn't actually read it to find out how to live. They just were reading stories that he told about his family and, you know, oh, hey, I, I memorized this part about your family, you know, or, you know, maybe he's given a little nugget of wisdom somewhere. It's like, oh, I really like that. But they skip over the part where it's like, this is how you should live. They skip over the main point and they're just focused on the little, the little parts here and there. The small details yeah. as opposed to the main thesis. They're skipping the main thesis of this is how you should live. And instead they're thinking, this is how I already live. How can I find things in this book that support my way of living instead mm -hmm. of saying, how can I read this book to radically revolutionize my entire life? Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. When we think about a devotional life, mm -hmm. a lot of what comes to mind, I think for many people, um, for many people church wide, for myself, perhaps for you listening right now, a lot of what comes to mind with a devotional life is guilt. Yeah. The feeling that I am less than because I have not been committed to reading my Bible the way that I should. And, mm -hmm. and in part, that kind of speaks to the wrong ideas that we have about Bible reading of yes. without this consistently in my life, God is less happy with me. Right. I know we're kind of putting that idea aside, that reading is a way that you um, move forward in terms of God loving you and ranking you and, and all these different things. Yeah. We know we're putting those kind of bad ideas aside. What does that mean then for the idea of committing to reading? How does that relate to this new way of thinking about scripture? Well, okay. Can I try to reframe it? And then maybe you can tell me if you agree with me sure. or not. This is how I reframe it. For I just want to, for anyone here listening who, like me and Brian, suffered from guilt about devotions growing up, this feeling where it was like, if I don't read and pray every single day, God's going to be mad at me. I want to just blow that up right now. So I'm just going to destroy it for you. Here, think about this and stay with me. Don't turn it off because there might be a point in this where you're like, I don't like what he's saying. It's going to reach a point where it's all going to make sense. But here's the first part. The early Christians did not have Bibles. The 12 disciples did not have leather bound 
personal Bibles on their shelves. The scripture, the Torah, was in scrolls. You would go to the synagogue to hear that read. Nobody was walking around with pocket Bibles. No one had Bibles on their shelves. Scripture was completely inaccessible to the early church and the early Christians for years and years until we came to the printing press. And so nobody was waking up in the morning and reading their Bibles back then. Think about that. The first Christians were following Jesus wholeheartedly without Bibles. And so what I would say is that devotions is not about a ritual of reading and praying. Devotions is about a heart posture. And the heart, the heart posture is, I am devoted to Jesus. So how, what does that look like for the early Christians? They don't have Bibles. They can't have their morning devos with their coffee. Following Jesus for them looks like we are going to be fully sold out, fully committed to Jesus. We're going to risk our lives for him. We're going to gather together and we're going to discuss Jesus and talk about him and pray for one another. And, and we're going to preach the gospel and we're going to baptize people and we're going to heal the sick. Like that is what devotions looked like to them. It wasn't this ritual. Mm -hmm. It was like a lifestyle. So I circle back to say, should we not read our Bibles? Like, no, we, we should. Like, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. it, it is such a gift that we have the scriptures in our, I have like six Bibles at home. That is a gift. I, I have a phone where I can pull up any translation. That is a gift. But we should never treat devotions as anything to be this guilty ritual where we have to do it in a specific way. I'll just be 100% on the record and honest. I've reached a point where I don't, read my Bible in the way I used to every single day. And that's, I'm okay with that. Um, I used to be guilty about it. It took me a long time to get there, but I'm at a point now where the way my week looks like is some days I'm at night, I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying very traditional old school style that I used to do. Mm -hmm. Other times I'm going for a walk and I'm listening to an audio Bible. Um, and I, or sometimes I'm going and I'm listening to a sermon and someone else is preaching to me and it's not, you know, the classic devotion style, but my heart when I'm listening to that sermon is Jesus, teach me, help me to become more devoted, help me to become more like you. Um, sometimes I'm listening to a podcast. Sometimes I'm just praying. Um, these are things that I'm constantly doing in my life and it's constantly happening because my mindset is Jesus, I want to be devoted to you, but I no longer have this like guilty ritual where it's like, I have to do it a certain way every time. And, and if I miss a day or two, because things get busy, I understand that God's not angry at me. I understand mm -hmm. that he's not mad at me. Um, I think of my relationship with God, it, it, like my relationship with my wife. There's some days where we go out on a date and it's fantastic and it's planned out and there's so much time we spend together. And there's other days where we get really busy and we don't see each other almost all day. But at the end of the night, we have a brief conversation before bed and a kiss on the cheek or whatever. And it's we have this moment of connection. And that's how I see my relationship with God is I am devoted to him. My whole life revolves around him, but I'm not pursuing some religious ritual like if I was trying to do that with my wife where it's like every day we wake, we wake up at seven and then I talk for an hour and then you talk back to me for an hour. And if we miss that, we're not in love. I just think that's silly. You know, I completely agree. And I, I love the idea of using marriage as that illustration, because particularly we know modern marriage is filled with busyness. It's filled with work to do modern life, modern friendship. Yeah. You know, maybe the, a listener isn't married, but we know of friendships where we have friendships that are beautiful because they can last 
through seasons of less contact yeah. and remain just as strong. Yeah. Like that's something beautiful about friendship. And one of the things that I think we're called to enjoy about the relationship with God that we have as believers mm. is that it's settled. Hmm. It's not something in flux. Yeah. It's not something where God is constantly reevaluating how he feels about you. Right. He is committed to his people. Right. And so I think this can be misinterpreted yeah. to say because God is committed to us, it doesn't matter how committed we are to him. Like you could listen to what I just said and be like, oh, like, so Aaron's saying I don't have to read my Bible and pray every day. I guess I'll just never do it. Like I'm good. I'm saved. Exactly. It's fine. It, Whatevs. It, it's not that we should look at it. And I think the wrong heart would look at everything we're saying about the freedom yeah. that can come in a devoted life and use it as an excuse for laziness. Yeah. And I think that's where remembering what the word devoted means yeah. is very helpful. To be devoted to something is really to be locked in on it, yeah. to really give yourself over to it. We yes. think about athletes being devoted to their sport. Well, their whole eating schedule, their sleep schedule, their workout routines, everything that they need to do to compete at a high level takes over every other part of their life. And can, can I say this? Mm -hmm. I think God is would be much more pleased with someone who read their Bible once a week, fully invested to say the words on these pages are, like Peter says, these are the words of life. Mm -hmm. And I want to steady Jesus. And what he does is what I want to do. He's my master. I read this Bible once a week to learn about him versus somebody who reads their Bible three times a day, every day, but they're just reading it in a way where, what, what nice little thing does God want to say to me? How can God help me? Or, or even just like, I am just reading because that is the Christian thing to do. I'm doing that Bible in a year thing, and it's what I have to do, and I don't get anything out of it, and I don't really care what it says, and I'm not going to ever change anything about my life or my behavior. I'm just doing the Christian thing so that I can feel morally good about myself. And when people ask me, did you read your one day Bible year thing? I can say, yes, I did, brother. I, I think God's way more pleased with the once a week guy who's devoted than, yeah. I, I am prone to agree with you. Yeah. That being said. Yeah. I also think that there's something to be said for the fact that consistency in scripture makes a huge difference. And I know you're Absolutely. not refuting that. No, like, dude, I, you're, you keep going. So, this so is good. I agree. I have had many meals that I don't remember. Yeah. I've had many dinners that I can't recall. Mm -hmm. There are often times where my wife and I are sitting on the couch and we're like, what did we do last Thursday? <laughs> like, what did we eat for this meal? And, that, and we yeah. like literally can't remember. Right. But that meal mattered so much to me in that yeah. moment. It's like, nourishing mm -hmm. to the soul. Yeah. And, and that is true of Bible reading. And I think sometimes that's true of Bible reading, especially when we don't feel it. Right. You know, I think that it's, it is really important to develop habits of devotion. And right. I think that can be varied. Like you were talking about one of your habits of devotion is taking a prayer walk. Yep. One of your habits of devotion is listening to an audio Bible. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's the same thing as reading. It's just reading through my ears. Exactly. That's that's a great phrase for audio <laughs> Bibles. And any audio Bible can use that as yep. their slogan from now on. Yeah. The, the, the fact, the fact that the habit you've developed isn't what it used to look like. Right. Does not mean that lacking those habits is okay. And we're not saying like habits and traditions are bad. 
like full disclosure, the way I'm wired, and I would say the way God has made me, is I am very un, uh, not unorganized, but unstructured. Mm-hmm. I thrive on kind of variety, and uh, I'm not a ritual person. I've tried to be, and I just it's just not me. So for me, like it, it, I feel way more connected to God if I've had a week where it's like one day I'm reading my Bible and praying, and the next day I'm going for a walk and praying, and the next day I'm reading a really good Christian book, and I'm praying through that. And, you know, like to, to me, bouncing all over the place, that works. There's other people where they have their time with Jesus in the morning, and it's every day, and that is great. And it, they do it the same way, in the same chair, with the same cup of tea, and, well, hopefully it's new tea, but just, you know, it's the ritual. And to me, it's not about the ritual or the lack of ritual. It's about the heart posture. Mm -hmm. It's about why are you spending time? Peter is spending time with Jesus for a different reason than Judas is spending time with Jesus. Peter's Mm -hmm. looking for that friendship. Judas is looking for what can I get from this guy who calls himself the Messiah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I'm someone that is more ritualistically driven. I'm someone who I look for habits. I look for schedules. I look for patterns. All of that is really helpful for me. And, and But even within that, one of the things that I need to be careful of is just because my heart looks for patterns doesn't always mean that patterns are helpful. Well, I mean, in, even in your marriage, like patterns can be good. Mm-hmm. Like setting aside a date night once a week, you know, with your wife and a busy schedule. That's it's a ritual, but that doesn't mean it's less fun and great. It just exactly. means that you've committed to that time with someone. And, and, that's and great. with anything... The question needs to keep coming up. Am I doing this because I am devoted to Christ and want to see more of him in my life? Right. Or am I doing this because this habit makes me feel like a good Christian? And so for me, that's something I need to ask about the daily reading. Yeah. For you, that's something you need to ask about the unstructured reading of like, am I doing this just because this feels better for me? Right. Or am I doing this because this genuinely helps me relate to God more? Oh, yeah. And that that hits on exactly what the whole theme of this is. Yeah. Is it about one, one of the questions I always asked about devotions when I was a kid is I would open my Bible, I'd read a chapter, I'd finish up, and I'd close it, and I would say, did this work? Yeah. Did God see it? Like, was he happy with it? And when we really ask that question, did this work, we're enforcing, or we're reinforcing a wrong view of what's going on. Rather, it's, did I connect with God in this time? Absolutely. And so I think, like, I really want to move people away from that place of guilt, where they're striving after some perfectionist view like just please I I know it's against my roots and my tradition but I think just get that standard of read your Bible and pray every single day out of your mind and replace it with be devoted to Jesus every single day have a friendship with Jesus every single day and how what that looks like how that plays out is going to be different for everybody and scripture and prayer absolutely should be a part of that process but the heart needs to be not devotion to the Bible or prayer, but it's I read the Bible to learn about Jesus and his mission and who he is and what he has for me and for the world and how I can be a part of that. And I pray to connect and to talk and to listen to this great master and, and teacher and friend. And I think um, I think just as we're wrapping up, like the, the thing... I would probably end with is one again, like stay away from the guilt, um, stay away from the shame, but also 
don't allow yourself to be complacent. Mm-hmm. Don't allow yourself to just be like, oh, like, oh, these guys in the Good Line podcast are saying, like, I don't need to really try hard. That's not what we're saying. I'll use another marriage illustration. I am never satisfied with how well I know my wife. I want to know her more. I've heard a lot of her stories, childhood stories, her hopes, her dreams, her fears. I want to know more of that stuff. I'm never satisfied. Like I want to go deeper in my relationship with her. And so anytime we're spending time together and I get a new nugget or something about her I didn't know or I learned something new about how she thinks or her heart and perspective, that's a win. And so I, as a husband, I'm constantly like going after that. That should be a part of our devotion is... Don't be satisfied with how well you know Jesus. Always be on a quest to get to know him more, but don't be on a quest for to be the perfect idea of what a perfect Christian looks like in your mind. Instead, be on a quest to just continue to become more devoted to Jesus. Yeah, the beauty of life with God is that there are always new adventures. There are always new callings. There are always new things that God is asking his people to step into. We will only discover those things through being truly devoted to spend time with him. Hmm. Because as we are with him, we'll find out who we are, who Hmm. he is, and we'll learn that each step of the way, for so many people, it's, it's so difficult to try to understand this, but God always has so much more for us than we seem to give him credit for. Yeah. And when we take the time to really say, Lord, I am devoted. I want more of you. I want to spend this time with you so that I can learn more of what you have for me. We will never be able to ask, Lord, do you have more? And he'll go, I really kind of gave you everything. Like, yeah, he will always have more to give, always more blessing to share, always more calling and empowering to, to dish out. He's just waiting for people who are really devoted enough to take those things. Yeah. And you got to remember that when, no matter how you spend time with God, whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's praying, going on a prayer walk, listening to a sermon, l- reading a book about Jesus or spirituality or, or Christ following, um, listening to a sermon, whatever, in those moments, you're spending time with Jesus and he loves it. Like he loves anytime you connect with him, he loves it. And I used to think there was only two ways to connect with him. And now I'm realizing There's so many open doors and invitations from Jesus to connect with them and spend time with them. And part of the joy for me has been breaking free from that shame and guilt cycle and just realizing the freedom of, wow, look at all of these opportunities I get to spend with Jesus. Because I used to think if I missed the morning devos, I missed it for the day. Like Jesus was in my living room waiting for me and I missed that appointment because I slept in and he's like, well, guess you can try again next morning. But Jesus is with me my whole day giving me all of these opportunities to speak with him and to connect with him. Hey, thanks once again for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. We hope this episode encouraged you. We hope it enriched you. We hope it made you think. The Good Line Podcast is a production of Calvary Global Network or CGN. Our heart is to produce Christ-centered content that helps the body of Christ everywhere follow Jesus more deeply. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. And yeah, we'll catch you next time.